Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I am your co-host, Action Chris Harrington, joined in the lovely state of New York. It's the month of August. It is August 6, 2018, by the time you're listening to this. And your co-host is Mr. Brandon Howard, Supersonic Thurston. Brandon, how are you doing today? I'm good. You're Action Chris Harrington? No, not, not, not Mookie anymore. I'm Action Harrington. Action. I'm all business. What does that mean? <laughs> it means that we're going to talk graphs today, which oh. are uh, fancy things that people that listen to the show cannot see. But mm. if you are a Patreon supporter, you can take the action, uh, spend the couple bucks, come and uh, go to patreon.com slash WrestleNomics or go to WrestleNomics.com. It'll bring you to the same place. And you can sign up and you get to read all the notes that we do this week. So uh, if these graphs are hard to follow, don't worry. We got them in visual form and they're on the Patreon uh going on like donkey kong how are you doing today brandon i'm all right you told me no video today no video uh, i'm all splotchy are you are I you gotta, I sh- are you disheveled shaved off my beard oh did you and you yeah, don't i do it a lot oh. but uh this this time there was lots of disturbing red splotches under my skin oh really so uh i'm afraid that the uh viewers the the watchers at home will get infected if they look at my uh my ungainly face I think we need to consult with a doctor. I don't think that's possible. I don't think it's contagious through uh, through, through new media. New media does not yeah, spread does well, not spread I've, physical diseases. Although it does, it does spread know. mental there's, diseases. There's computer viruses. That's true, but I don't think that's any relation to what's uh, what's going on with your skin, though. I'm know. just saying I've been applying blockchain every day and it's doing nothing. Okay, at least it's decentralized. Uh, but I'm I'm here in the new apartment. First, first, no no video though. But you, you can just imagine. The new 900-square-foot apartment, all 900 square feet of it are, are here. Most of the things are out of the boxes now. We've got a few... We found out on the premium show that you gave away some wrestling memorabilia to the thrift stores of Tonawanda because it did not fit in the 900 feet. I did, yeah. Go, go check out the North Tonawanda uh, thrift stores because there's a lot, of, a lot of good stuff and a lot of good sports memorabilia there. But, yeah. Uh, That's a shame. I'm here. Uh, do you like it? Is, it? is it loud at night in a way that you were not expecting? No, why would it be loud at night? Sometimes that's just what they get you. You go, you look at a place, it's great, but uh, you don't spend the night there, so you don't know what happens during the nighttime. No, it's it's real quiet. I mean, like I'm surrounded by vacant buildings, to be honest. <laughs> that doesn't sound ominous. <laughs> Excuse me. There's so I'm in a section of Buffalo that's um recovering, <laughs> as they like to say. Yeah, there's a there's a property owner who's trying to uh, who I think is my landlord who is trying to uh, you know help this area revitalize revitalize this neighborhood of the city. So I've got um, I think I'm in a, a three unit I don't even know three unit house duplex triplex whatever and there's there's so I have a neighbor in the front I'm in the back there's nobody above me nobody below me I think there's another unit somewhere in this thing that's just vacant to, to my left there's another house that's multi-unit most most of the units are vacant one of them's occupied to, to my right i've got an entire house that looks pretty vacant to me uh but there's there's plenty of other neighbors though in the area but yeah and then there's they, a, a, lots of other vacant buildings in this area as well yeah did they discuss the idea that perhaps instead of a summer festival this year they just do a purge um what do you mean by that Oh, just didn't know if they were going to do a, a real-life purge in your area since purge. very few people would be affected by it and be kind of a popular tourism thing. What, 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 is, what is a purge? What are you talking about? You're going oh, to kick all the residents out of the area? 
No, it's not exactly what a purge is. No, oh. more like the movie where, you know, for, for 12 hours, all crime is legal and people oh. maraud through the streets. No, I don't think that's happening either. Oh, okay. Um, good. Good. That's good. I've, I've been told, though, so when I moved out, my landlord in North Tonawanda, uh, you know, he did the final inspection and make sure I cleaned out the apartment properly. And uh, he asked me where I was moving to, and I told him. He's like, oh, oh yeah, I, I, I know that, that section. And he's like, oh, it's a whole different lifestyle over there. And I didn't, well, I mean, I had an idea of what he meant by that, but uh, that was an interesting comment. But no, it's it's fine here. It's not like, well, what is, is it more crime here? You're in the city. I mean, I don't know, not yet. I told I told you that like the reports in my neighborhood were like people were stealing catalytic converters off cars. Oh really? I think you told me that before. Is that is oh, that, yes. that, that that happens? Huh? We've had I've had the most insane crime happen in my neighborhood. Really? I've, I've probably not talking about it so much because it's it's a nice neighborhood, but I've had some truly. Incredibly crazy crime things happen in my neighborhood. Really, we had one of the kids. Uh, he fell between the train uh, cars and it cut off his legs. Oh no! So that happened once, and they had to crawl out of there because wow. no one was with him. Oh no! Uh, we had we had one guy who who like kidnapped someone and put him in his basement, and the guy was like blinded, and then like he broke out, but he didn't know which house it was that he broke out of. Hmm. And so the cops then had to go house to house to find the one that had the electricity turned off in because mm. he'd broken out by flipping off the breakers too. Wow. Um, we had a dog fighting ring, a uh, couple other things. Does Michael yeah, Vick it's, live it's, in your uh, your area? Does who? Michael Vick. Oh, I thought you were going to say Michael Myers. Uh, yeah, we've had a lot of stuff happen in my neighborhood. So it, it's normally pretty normal and quiet. And then like when we do have a crime, it's it's absurdly you know uh, notable. Yeah, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure there's been uh, this area has had more than its fair share of, of crimes, and there's like there's people getting shot in Buffalo all the time. Um, but yeah, but I'm I'm out of the suburbs. I'm out of the false reality that is the suburbs, and I'm, I'm here in in the city of Buffalo, and I haven't been shot or mugged yet. So I'm doing so all right. So this is not Tonawanda. This is not Tonawanda. No, it's close to Tonawanda. I'm, I'm not that far. Are you closer to the school, Grapplers Anonymous, where you can find out how to become a professional wrestler? I am closer to the school, yeah. It's like a 15-minute drive now instead of a 35-minute drive, which is nice. If if I was a, a digital user, how would I find out more about this school? Go to grapsanonymous.com or follow us on social media at Graps Anonymous uh, across Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Wow. Uh, usually we get a wrestling update from Brandon Howard Thurston. Uh, Brandon, did you do any wrestling in the last a week here? Uh, t- no. Wait, I think we talked about the last time I wrestled. No, this, this weekend was pretty light for dates in this area. Uh, so no, no wrestling this weekend. Do you got any gigs coming up? I'm wrestling Kevin Blackwood for Empire State Wrestling on August 25th. Um, I, that might be my next booking. I can't remember though. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna wrestle. It's gonna be vegan versus vegan for the vegan world championship. And uh, and then what happens one week later? Uh, it's all in. Yeah, you appear at all in in uh. You get the tattoo. It's going to be exciting. I'm, I'm not appearing at all. patrons. I'm, I'm not booked. Cody hasn't uh, DM'd me yet. So I'm not booked for All In. I'm going to All In, though, and we are going to All In. And uh, We are both going to All In. We bought our tickets. We have our tickets. You're letting me sleep on the couch, right? Yes, you are staying in on the couch of the hotel room. We're going to do some audio. When we hit 100 subscribers, Brandon's agreed to get a tattoo. It's pretty exciting. Not getting any tattoos, but yeah, if we, uh, I, I might buy a Bullet Club shirt. You've already missed out on your opportunity to get the wrestling buddies, but uh, 
Yeah, I, I'm very excited about this Bullet Club merchandise for the fragrance. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm hoping maybe an all-in weekend we can get some uh, Bullet Club cologne. Now, I'm wrestling for Pro Wrestling Rampage in Erie, Pennsylvania on August 11th. That is the next time we'll be wrestling. That is next Saturday. Yeah. All right. So next show, we'll have an update on that, figure out whether you got the winner's purse or not. Yeah. You I and I have done a couple shows where we broke down lots of WWE financials, talked about Q2 on the other show. Uh, the premium show we just finished recording, we go into WWE vulnerabilities and we talk about what's the financial impact to this company by not assessing the shortcomings that they have of where they are today. And to anyone arguing, well, they're doing well today, who cares? I would always argue, look at all the opportunity costs that's happened so far. And on one of our, our recent financial analysis shows, I challenged you where I said, Challenge well, I me. wonder how WWE stacks up against other big social media companies when it comes to acquisition of new accounts uh, quarter over quarter. And you said, hey, that's a great idea. That's a, that's that's straight up Brandon Howard Thurston's alley. That is uh, uh, the exact sort of thing because it involves a chart. It involves new media and it involves an opportunity to slap a WrestleNomics logo in the corner or something. That's and right. so those three things happened. Plus it involves uh, uh, questionable finan- questionable math where Brandon's going to even make claims about things like correlation and R-squared value, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I'm to- totally. I'm getting into the woods there where you're going to have to give me some guidance. But yeah, I, f- I figured you would want to know the R-squared, so the R-squared is there. Um, Excellent. I-, I was excited. I-, I even added to it when I saw it. But let's go through uh, this this topic here. So uh, this is the quarterly growth of WWE social media numbers from their KPIs, so from what they themselves report, versus the quarterly growth of Mao. Of uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Netflix. And we know you have your own Mao, probably a poster or a shrine somewhere in your your apartment there. But what is the Mao we're referring to here? Monthly active users. Okay. So not Sedong, but but monthly active users, MAU. Uh, and this will tell us basically uh, not just how many accounts are being created, but this is how many accounts are being accessed and used. So in theory – uh, uh, just people that create a brand and leave it vacant, they would not be a monthly active user after the first month. Yeah. Have we made it clear what we're talking about here? Like, um, so when the, the, the WWE uh, quarterly report came out, they always have this slide in their KPIs about social media followers. And of course, it's up every quarter from the prior quarter. But uh, the growth seems to be slowing, I think was our recognition. And we were like, well, is the growth, is how does that reflect in, like, what, what's the growth of monthly active users on Facebook and Twitter and so forth, right? Yeah, and, and the other part of that being the question of WWE gets to combine all of their accounts. They get to combine yeah. every superstar under the sun, and they put that into that number. So they get to count the same account over and over and over and over again. And we also don't really know if they knock accounts off the list. So does Hulk Hogan's follower account leave this number for some period of time? Or is Enzo Amore still out? Or when do they make the changes? So if they fire someone, but they, they were still active in that quarter, do we keep that number from that quarter and so forth? Yeah. We don't know is the answer to that question. But uh, there's, yeah. we have And it's totals. almost impossible for the number to go down. Versus monthly active users does not necessarily have to go up every quarter because uh, the total number of accounts could still be going up, but the total number of people actually being involved in an account could go down hypothetically. Yeah. So I so what I did was I went through Facebook's quarterly reports and got all of their monthly active user accounts going all the way back to Q2 2016, really Q1, so that I could get the percentage differences. 
Uh, and so I did that for, for Facebook, did that for Twitter, did that for Netflix. Okay, all, all three of those are, are publicly traded companies just like WWE is. And so they, they report certain information every quarter. So And this MAU metric is one that, that investors seem to really care about. This seems to be one of their hotter hotter ideas that they like to focus on. Yeah, and I, and I guess they should care about it, right? Because this is like how, uh, how many people are really using these platforms, not just how many user accounts do you have, but how many user accounts are active at least once a month. So you're saying it's the difference between a WWE metric and a real metric. Yeah. I mean, WWE has in, in their defense. They have, they have no idea how many of their followers yes. are, are active in a month. Um, yes, they're reporting on other people's platforms. These are the platforms themselves reporting. Yeah, and, and, and by the way, when we talk about Netflix, it's not really uh, monthly active users. It's paid subscribers in that case, of course. Yes. So uh, our first... Uh, combatant is WWE Facebook followers, which just to remind everyone today, WWE claims 493 million Facebook followers. Is that number right? 493 wow. million. That's what they say. Wow. So again, they don't say any one account has 493 million likes. They just mean the aggregate of all the accounts that they consider part of their WWE portfolio is mm-hmm. 493 million social media accounts not even taking into account that many of us could be the same person who likes Nikki Bella, John Cena, The Undertaker, and the WWE brand, and the Total Bellas television show. Yeah, it even says right down here in the small footnote in the fine print, social media followers represent the number of follows for each individual platform, Facebook, Twitter, etc., as sourced from each platform. As such, total followers shown have not been adjusted for duplication among or within platforms and do not represent the number of quote-unquote unique followers. And, and uh, a, another way of illustrating this is for Twitter, their number is 206 million. And so for the article that I wrote for Fightful uh, about the, the purge, the 2 million uh, followers that disappear or 2% that disappeared – uh, my total number of WWE accounts that I had was hmm, – let's see if I have that number somewhere in here. Uh, the complete data set. I'll click on that, and then it's going to open up a, a Google sheet. And if I add up the total number I have on 7 I had 157 million. So WWE is claiming a total of 203 or something. 206. Yeah. And the best number I could come up with was 157 million. And that's not a great number because that included both accounts that are dead and no longer part of WWE. It included accounts like The Rock. It included almost no new NXT people. Like Samoa Joe was not in that list. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's not new NXT, but I mean, like, just like, like people that have started in NXT in the last two years and then even come to the main roster since then. So I was only able to come up with maybe three quarters of the accounts. So who knows what number they're using, but it's certainly a big number and, and includes a, a very long tail for sure. So uh, Facebook has joined – has the WWE number for Facebook has grown from 415 million in Q1 of 2016 to 493 million by Q2 of 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to look at quarter over quarter. So Q1 over Q2 or Q2 over Q1 and so forth. And then we're going to compare that to the number of monthly active users, which for Facebook, they have over, what, 2.2 billion monthly active users right now? Something like that. Is that what it says in the sheet? That's what I found. 2.234, and it's up from 1.654 in Q1 of 2016. 
Yeah. So, uh, for, for, the, for the sake of clarity, I'm going to spoil the narrative here. And like, so what I found was there's a weak correlation. You can tell me if I got the the math and statistics wrong here, but weak correlation with the Facebook stuff. Uh, no correlation with Twitter. And certainly no correlation with Netflix. Just if nothing else, because of the WrestleMania effect. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting to kind of compare because so if we were to read across the Facebook quarter over quarter growth starting in Q2 of 2016, Facebook grew 4%, 4 4%, 4%, 4%, 4%, 3%, 3%, 3%, 3%, 3%, 3%, 3%, 3%, 3%, 3%, 3%, 3%, 3%, 3%, 3%, 3%, 3%, 3%, 3%, 3%, 3%
which is interesting. Which is so you, you don't even go to like um, platform, even though they do have ad revenue as well. I, I would have thought you'd be the kind that would say, I'm going to just do an index fund on new media or technology. I think that's what my portfolio, portfolio is. Is but I mean, is it an actual? I mean, a true index fund would be a whole bunch of different companies. You're, yeah, but like, you can't but, trust somebody else with that that stuff. Oh, you can't trust someone else. No. What about what about the fact that uh, Instagram is isn't that owned by Facebook? It is. And you're a huge Instagram guy. I am. Yeah, you love your Instagram, and I you do. you believe it's like the future for like social media in a lot of ways. I think uh, Instagram's bigger than Twitter now. Um, certainly in terms of. Monthly active users, I think it's like something like God, maybe twice the number of monthly active users than Twitter. We could look into that. Um, no, f- f- Instagram, it's a nicer platform in terms of like Twitter can be a cesspool of anger and outrage. Um, uh, and Instagram is not. No, that's very true. I, I hear what you said. I was just thinking that Instagram might might buoy your Facebook thoughts, but I, I think but if it's you're- still, But it's still an ad platform. It's still an ad it's yeah. not a. I mean, where are they getting? If if you if you own Instagram, where are you getting your money from? Ads. If, if you are trading on principles, I completely understand why you would would void yourself of Facebook stock at this time. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Uh, so the story here is basically that WWE growth has slowed down. It it got a little jump start in Q1 of 2018 with the mixed match challenge, but by Q2 of 2018, it was flat, which just tells you so much about how short-lived some of this programming is for those kind of social media effects mm-hmm. is that it, it, it has an impact, but it doesn't have a lasting impact. Um, and so it did not drive growth into the second quarter for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and think about it. That's WrestleMania. That's, that's, you know, you're, you're coming off of a big time. And so it's kind of interesting to see it be so, so low for WWE and to see it, um, the, to see worldwide, that it's a bigger deal. So d- WWE did go up. They went up from 491 to 493. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, th- compared to the quarter before, it went from 481 to 490. 481 to 491. So instead of growing by 10 million, it grew by two. And uh, that that's pretty dramatic. Let's go to uh, Twitter. Uh, talk to me through what am I going to see on Twitter here? Uh, so Twitter Twitter is uh, for WWE, like I mentioned, has, has a total of what? Uh, 206 million Twitter followers across whatever accounts they're, they're considering to be theirs. Yeah. And, and if you just want to even take, you know, the biggest accounts, uh, the rock for instance has maybe 12.7 million followers and Cena has 11 million and the WWE account alone has 10 million. Mm -hmm. So, I mean the biggest, you, you could probably say the the total world is 10 million times, maybe three or 10 million times four in my opinion. Uh, Even 10 million times 10 is only 100 million, and somehow they get to 200 million. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, I mean, we're looking at this like from two years prior. Q1 2016 was at 128 million, so it's almost doubled across that time. Yep, yep. And uh, for I, I the total number for for Twitter, on the other hand, the number of active accounts. It has gone from 310 million active accounts to 335 million active accounts. And in Q3 of this year, we're going to see a, a real impact coming from the fact that uh, it uh, did the purge. In addition, Q2 of 2018 was actually a reduction 
for Twitter, which was the second time they've shown a reduction in their MAU. In Q2 of 2017, they dropped from 327 million to 326 million. And in Q2 of 2018, they, they dropped from 336 million to 335 million. So we've seen times where Twitter has almost hit that artificial wall or ceiling where they've said basically like we can't even find more active accounts in this quarter compared to a quarter ago. Yeah, everybody who's going to be on Twitter is on Twitter. Uh, but I think when you're talking about something like pro wrestling, there's something about pro wrestling, maybe the nichiness of it, that uh, I think Twitter is is great for niches, for like hobbies and interests that uh, are are very special. Well, I was bragging about the fact that, you know, I had a reporter contact me and wanted to talk to me about WWE stock. He found me through Twitter. Mm-hmm. He didn't find me because I published a bunch of stuff on websites. He found me because he saw people quoting what I wrote on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And it's like it has a huge impact. And if you want to get do dissemination of information, I, I, I there's very hard to find a better way to disseminate information quickly than Twitter right now when it comes to me trying to be like, oh, this is what's happening to the stock at this exact second. Now, there's lots of bad information out there, too. Yes. <laughs> uh, you saw probably that Twitter meme that went around this week from uh, the guy that claimed that, that Vince McMahon was spending millions of dollars to promote Roman Reigns by giving hundreds of dollars to fans. Yeah, I, I peripherally, I, I heard people talk about that. I did not see it itself. Yeah. It um, was, uh, but- and then his explanation of what happened there was even more absurd. To the point that it's one of those where you can't tell whether it's a person who themselves is developmentally challenged or whether they themselves are now playing some kind of jokey role of what happened. Because mm-hmm. it was all about how his high school bully had, had once again catfished him again into reporting this information. Can't tell if you're trolling or not. Yeah. yeah it was pretty absurd. Um, but So it, this Twitter number, tell me about how Twitter – WWE has done versus Twitter MAU has done. Yeah, t- Twitter is a great platform. Even if you want to put a stop to a, a large investigation, you might want to try to put, get that argument out there on Twitter. Uh, how's how's uh, Twitter for WWE has has grown every quarter? Of course, uh, of course, these are not monthly active users. That's the big big difference, right? These are just users who are following whatever accounts. But yeah, up. In Q2 2016, 9%. The following quarter, up 6%, up 6%, up 4%, up 4%, up 5%, 6%, 5%, 2%. Meanwhile, Twitter itself is, you know, 1%, 0%, 3%, 0%, 2%, Yeah, and so my point when we went through the Q2 results was between Q2 of 2016 and Q1 of 2018, they averaged about 6% growth. This last quarter was 2 it was dramatically lower than where it's been in the past. Mm-hmm. And I was saying it could be even worse next quarter when you consider the fact that my analysis suggested WWE was going to lose like 2% of their uh, a share of accounts yeah. due to the purge. So I, I think this is a really interesting one because up until recently, it's been a really good platform for driving WWE. And I'd even make the argument that it's been an incredible time shifter and an incredible uh, replacement to televised programming. You can get so much of what is happening on Raw or SmackDown just by looking at the Twitter accounts and look watching the GIFs. Yeah, and I think that's happening to a degree. Um, but I think we're, we're coming to a time. I don't know. Some of this is like, so we're looking at, you know, over the last four or five quarters, up 4%, 5%, 6%, 5%, then 2%. This is consistent with an argument that we made a couple of weeks ago about WWE's popularity stagnating. Um, 
Sure. I absolutely think so. I think I think that's why I was saying the fundamentals are not as strong to me. And that worries me from the standpoint of it, when people say, well, why do you care? They're making all the money they want. Mm-hmm. I would be like, don't you care when WCW in 99 started to get colder? Mm-hmm. It, it matters because you, you either see it or you don't. And for a long time, Vince McMahon's theory was it does matter. Even if it's not hurting me financially, it will matter eventually. Yeah, I think they're in a much safer place than WCW was, right? Because WCW was kind of in a position where as soon as the, the TV networks canceled them, they couldn't find a new home. They were kind of yeah. screwed. WWE is is its own independent company that's making deals. But again, that's like saying, well, my company's not bad because we're not Enron. Mm. Okay, you might not collapse tomorrow, but does that mean that you're not running your company right? Right. No, I agree. Yeah. So so there's almost no correlation between Twitter followers and the Twitter MAU today. Uh, WWE is on its own path. And I'd argue they probably are – if I was Twitter, I would want to partner more with WWE right now because in some ways they're doing – they're using Twitter great. They're doing a wonderful job of keeping people active and focused on Twitter. And there's a, there's a, a certain degree of like focus, you know, specialization going on in Twitter. That I think is really interesting where you could argue I use Twitter. I have two Twitter accounts. One account is for non-wrestling things and one is for wrestling things. Mm-hmm. And and the, the reason is, is because I believe very much in this idea of like a focused Twitter account. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of an interesting thing in my life where there's not many other times where I make different social media profiles just to represent one interest of mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Twitter Twitter is the niche and hate platform. You know, it's good for people with very unusual interests, whether those interests are admirable or not. Yeah. Uh, Our next one is Netflix. And you did me the favor of doing both WWE Network paid subscribers worldwide versus Netflix paid subscribers worldwide and WWE Network paid subscribers in the United States or what they call domestic versus Netflix paid subscribers in the United States. This is what you wanted, right? I did. I wanted because the whole point I said was, "Hey, I think they're slowing down. This is weird." In fact, actually, though, for for um, WWE Network, I did say I think they're actually uh, doing a little better on WWE Network than I thought they were. But how does that compare to the general trend of another big subscription-based platform like, say, Netflix? Mm-hmm. And so you went ahead and, and figured that out. So tell me the story. Where is WWE Network today on uh, total subscribers worldwide and in the United States? Total subscribers worldwide right now uh, to end Q2 was 1.7 million. Um, and and in the United States? And in the U.S., about 1.3 million. Yeah, 1.27. So, um, again, as always, we're looking at a ratio of what, 73% domestic. Mm-hmm. So 73% of the WWE Network accounts run through a domestic billing address. Mm-hmm. That's all we can say. We don't know for a fact that they're all domestic, but they run through a U.S. billing address. And that goes opposite to uh, what they say is their social media followership, where they say they've got about 30% of their social media followership is in the U.S., and about 70% of it is non-U.S. And, uh, and, and that's always the argument that, hey, look, we've got this great potential for international growth because as soon as these international markets, they, they get up and the middle class widens in, in these countries, there's going to be you know, all, these, all these customers here for WWE in China, India, Brazil. 
hey, once it's once we get John Cena the announcer and just uh, commentating in Mandarin every time, That's right. numbers through the roof, man. That's right. Um, so what what are we seeing in total uh, Netflix numbers? So where I, I don't even know my Netflix numbers. So how many millions of people are are Netflix subscribers today, uh, worldwide and in the United States? One hundred and twenty four million worldwide. They forecast for Q three one hundred thirty five million worldwide. Uh, that's almost double from Q one two thousand sixteen with about seventy eight million worldwide. And then meanwhile, what's happening in the United States? In the U.S. right now, about 56 million, and that's only up slightly from about 46 million in Q1 2016. So the U.S. is much more saturated than the entire world for Netflix. So there was a, an inflection point, right, in Q3 of 2017. And in Q3 of 2017, we reached a point where the U.S. was less than half of Netflix's worldwide subscribers. Oh, look at that. Yeah, And so it, this is a new trend because in Q1 of 2016, it was 58%, 59%. Then it dropped to about 54%. Then it dropped to 51% in Q2 of 2017. And in Q3, it flipped to, to 49 and it's been dropping ever since. Now it's down to 45%. So what's interesting here is is w, WWE has still stayed around that 75% ratio since they've kind of rolled out across the world. Whereas Netflix in the last two years here has made a dramatic change from uh, uh, 59% domestic to 45% domestic. Mm -hmm. And one would argue some of that is because Netflix is a more um, mature service. And the other one would be that Netflix has just been super aggressive in international markets because they sensed they were getting such low growth in the U.S. And if you look at the size of the growth going from 45 million to 56 million over these periods here, that's averaging less than 2% growth. Mm -hmm. Whereas worldwide, they've averaged more like hmm, 6% growth mm -hmm. approximately. So they're, they're almost doing three times more growth, even more than three times, because if you think about it, that 6% includes the uh, uh, number. Let's see here. I can subtract one from the other and just get a pure international number, right? So my pure international number is... I'm doing this math live on air. So exciting. Um, my international number says they're averaging 18% growth internationally. No, that's not right. <laughs> Let me get rid of one of those numbers. They're averaging, I'm sorry, 9% growth internationally. That makes more sense. So international growth right now for uh, Netflix is 9%. Domestically is about 2%. Overall, it's about 6%. Mm -hmm. 5 6%. Yep. So uh, what has happened to WWE over that time? Well, it's gone up and it's gone down, right? There's very little correlation between what Netflix does and what the WWE Network does. Yeah, which isn't really a surprise because WWE always peaks with WrestleMania, drops after it, and then slowly regains. And then by the time the next WrestleMania comes around, they they break a new record for themselves. Yeah. So And, and Netflix has no seasonality like that right people are just watching movies all year round apparently there, there's not uh, the peak in interest and then the drop off in interest like there is around Wrestlemania for WWE yeah something like HBO subscribers might be an interesting one to look at if they ever get released that publicly because that at least you could say Game of Thrones or something is a little bit more of a marquee event that might drive the numbers up and numbers down mm -hmm. 
But um, yeah, overall, Netflix, I mean, yes, when they release certain new series like Stranger Things or something, there's a peak in interest for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. But generally, their, their, their model is not built to have peaks and valleys of that sort. Yeah. Um, and I know they've talked about the fact that, hell, if WW, I'm sorry, if Netflix has 56 million users, there's only how many million households in the United States, right? Hundred million or so. Yeah, maybe a hundred, maybe one hundred and twenty million. Yeah. But if you want to say broadband-enabled households, there's probably a hundred million or so. If something like the USA Network is in ninety-seven million, mm-hmm. you know that get, kind of gives you a, a a number you could start to use. Yeah, one hundred twenty-six million U.S. households. That's that's not considering broadband. But yeah. We- so so that right now Netflix has penetrated almost half. Yeah. of the uh-huh. possible broadband households. And so I, I know that they themselves have said, we're kind of running out of places to go in the United States, mm-hmm. is that the only options left are for us to find a way to be cheaper so that the tier of people that don't have $10 of of or $12 or whatever it's at now of incremental spend. We need to re-educate all those old people who are still watching linear television and educate them on how to use OTT devices so they can subscribe to Netflix. And there's that debate too. Is 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 your goal to grab the older audience or the younger audience? Because I think I think right now their goal is right now to come up with cheaper packages that are going to be more accessible to people in the middle class or lower class. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so uh, good good analysis here just to kind of show when are things accelerating and what would really stick out is that WWE actually has managed to turn the gas back on the WWE network over the last two quarters compared to a year ago. And that's a big accomplishment for them because they kind of look like they might be bottoming out at a certain point. Mm. What do you you think about this argument at this point that's made about, uh, well, hey, in in the beginning of this year, they were doing all those WrestleMania promotions with the, what what was it, $3 subscription rates and the the, the under $9.99 offers. Well, you made the point in our premium show that the average subscriber right now generates $10.38 a month. Yeah. Right? It, that was in the entire year 2017. Okay. And and I know when we looked in Q2, the number was, was very close to that. In fact, it was up a little bit. Okay. Uh, and so I would say when I see that number start plummeting, you know, if that number drops to 799 or 699, yeah, that's going to be horrific for them. Mm-hmm. But the fact that the number of free subscribers that WWE actually put into their package last year was very low. It suggests to me that, yeah, maybe they are adding some paid, but I think it's an overblown storyline. I think it's a great example of, of where Dave will fixate on a point, but he doesn't necessarily have a data point to explain it. He just has a bunch of people emailing him and telling them how they abuse the system. Yeah, let's see. Let's just do this math live in the air. 190.6 million was the revenue for the W Network. Uh, in Q2 of last year in, or this year? In, I'm sorry. I'm reading the wrong That number. seems way too high. 56.2 million. So this is, that this makes is, more this sense. 56.2 million dollars, right? Yeah, this is why I need you here so you can, you know, catch my uh, tragic yep. math errors here. 56.2 divided 1. by 1.742, right? Well, I'm going to divide it by by average page subs for Q2, which is 1.8 million. That seems yep. the right way to do this, right? Uh, and then that will give you the quarter number. Which is thirty-one dollars and twenty-two cents. Mm-hmm. Divide that by you divide three that months. by three. That's about ten dollars and forty-one cents, exactly. which is up maybe three cents from the ten thirty-eight you mentioned to me about twenty seventeen. Yeah. So, the, the the point about 
oh, they're they're offering all these low uh, low rates, and it's not really reflective of the strength of the network. That doesn't seem to hold up under that math. I do not see any evidence of it yet. Hmm. Let's wait one more quarter to see it fully realized. Yeah. But unless I see the ten forty a quarter drop to nine fifty, I don't believe it. And the same thing said, we are dealing with international mix here. UK subscribers get pay more. Uh, Canada subscribers pay a different amount. OSN people pay a different amount. It's all over the place. In so China, hard. they pay a different amount. Yeah, so it, it's it's hard for me to to read into that and say, oh, this is clearly evidence of blank when it could be, oh, they finally decided to concentrate on UK subscriber uh, growth this quarter, and so they they marketed the hell out of the NXT UK, and this is the result from that. So, so the the narrative. Oh, the subscriber number is only up because they lowered the price on on all these offers, and they're giving out five dollar and three dollar per per month or whatever it is. That that doesn't. It, we're gonna wait until till next quarter to really destroy that narrative. But it doesn't look good. It it does. I don't see evidence of it, and I think people that are are using making those claims are not looking at the numbers. I think they're just looking at the top line, and they're not doing the math themselves, and they're not comparing it over time. Oh. So, uh, I I. I will challenge someone to come at we with the numbers rather than the antidotal experiences. Come at us, and we'll challenge you. Come at you. me, bro. Uh, what are we at for time count right now? We are at like 40 minutes. 41 minutes. 41 minutes, and we're going to talk really quickly about some WWE vulnerabilities. And uh, again, let me do a plug for the premium show where we go in this very in-depth thing where we explain Vince's hierarchy of needs where we go through what does what motivates him, what do, what are his priorities. We do a business by business analysis to explain how many dollars are left in on the table that WWE has lost yep. just in 2017 alone by not being able to better market themselves. We had our usual and, WrestleNomics meeting, and we were going to talk about what we were going to discuss on the various shows. And uh, you know, we came up with this topic, and, and Mookie really wanted me to do a you know one one hour and thirty minute promo on Vince McMahon. I was I was a little reluctant. I really like Vince McMahon. He's he's one of my favorite characters in, in in the history of pro wrestling. I was like, "You sure you want me to do a thirty minute promo on how Vince McMahon is not doing a good job at, at his creative at being head of creative?" But uh, you talked me into it, and then I did. did it. I did. I was I was worried you're going to get poached by WWE tomorrow. Yeah. So I figured the best thing I could do right now is make sure I get an HR interview with you on file that I can hold over your head. That's right. Till a later date. And now I'll never work for WWE. No, now he wants you even more. Oh, that's what I think our analysis wrong. proved. Ooh, is that how it works? That's right. That is how it works. So uh, when you and I were brainstorming about this concept of WWE vulnerabilities, uh, you gave me 10, 11-ish ideas mm. uh, of of big topics and uh, we didn't touch on these topics so deeply on the other show and i wanted to kind of just run through these topics really quickly here yeah. and just get a couple comments from you and other people so uh these are ex again these are examples of vulnerabilities for wwe this does not mean that the sky is falling and they're going to crash down and destroy themselves but what this is an example of this is where they have left money on the table this is where they have not developed themselves to be the resource that they could be and this is where that they are in brandon's words usually holding back pro wrestling industry as a whole right yeah i would say that i think um i think that 
pro wrestling, and I believe this like on a local level, I believe this on a global level, that we have no idea how good pro wrestling can be. We're only, I think we're only starting to see that. And I, I think the things that we've seen in the last few years were like, oh my God, these matches are incredible. And, and Dave's breaking his star system. Uh, I think that's an, an, a result of new media being so out there and, and being able to get to places that previously only WWE could really get to. Uh, so we're seeing this um, a more of a creative flourishing of pro wrestling in the last few years than we really ever have. Uh, yeah, so I think we're, I think Vince McMahon, in, in the way that he drives W's creative vision, keeps pro wrestling from being as great as it could be, and that it does have some economic consequence. If you listen to to the, to the premium show that we just did. I think that has at least like an, an eight percent financial consequence. Um, <laughs> We're the only ones that are out there that will tell you what new star creation has crossed Vince McMahon in an exact percentage. A very I conservative estimate. Yeah. Yeah. So, so but, uh, topic number one: yeah. weak star creation. Yeah. Uh, we go in depth on this on the other one. So let's just talk very high level. When you say weak star creation, well, John Cena's a star. Why? Why doesn't WWE get credit for making him? I think they get credit. They should get credit for making him, but I think uh, one star, one house show. Undertaker's a star. Yeah, but he came back, came around in nineteen ninety. Uh, what is AJ Styles is a star. He is. Uh, yeah, and I think everything that that you know about Vince McMahon should tell you that he would not accept AJ Styles because he's an indie guy. He's not especially big. He's got a southern accent. So I think yeah, give give Vince some credit for actually, uh, you know. Giving uh, you know AJ Styles a platform to get over, yeah, and, he, and he has emerged as like the number. I think he's like the he, number three. An, I think he's like the number three if you include John Cena. He's not really a full timer anymore, but like when he was, I think John Cena, Roman Reigns, and AJ Styles are their three biggest sort of full time people. Maybe maybe number two then. And and of course he was a product of their NXT system where they took him from a know nothing wrestler and to be a big star, right? He went to the Performance Center. I don't know if he ever did, but we could say that we could certainly do a business partner summit, uh, you know, talk where we uh, talk about how great the Performance Center is, and then show a picture of AJ Styles behind us, even though we just debuted him right in Orlando. Yeah, yeah. So that, but but of course, Roman Reigns would be the biggest question mark on the star creation. Where Braun Strowman, I think they're getting somewhere with him, but you would argue maybe they they're undermining themselves. Is that what you're going at? Um, I think Braun Strowman could could be a I think Braun Strowman has had a lot of success. They've done a good job with Braun Strowman, but it's like, you know, I don't, I don't think he gets past a certain point because all the resources are put in the Roman Reigns basket. So weak star creation is our first big one. Let, we, we go into that more on the premium show, so I don't want to beat that. Uh, second one is is a subject you, you're very passionate about this word, goodwill, yeah. fan goodwill. That's where you left those wrestling buddies. That's where other things happened. What do you mean when you say fan goodwill is a, a hindrance or a vulnerability for WWE? I mean, like the trust that you have. Like, how much do you trust when you sit down and watch WWE main roster TV product? How much do you trust that they're going to give you a good show? I think there's a lot of people who sit down and watch it, and maybe they have one or two favorite wrestlers, and that's kind of why they watch it. But they don't really trust that the the narrative that they're being taken along on is going to have a satisfying ending. Um, but do you really think something in the McMahon empire could ever generate goodwill? 
Uh, yeah, I think we have examples of it. NXT and, and uh, the Paul Levesque version of 205 Live are examples that it's not only possible, but it's it's happening and you have the, the, the talent right within the company to make it happen. So your point is that NXT has goodwill where WWE doesn't. And it to you, it's not just the fact that WWE is the monopoly leader and NXT is this smaller group by by the standards of this what talent they're using and whatnot. But it's actually this idea that one of them snake bites, as you put it in the, the comments here, the fans, whereas the other one delivers on their expectations. Yeah, I think so. Um I think in 2016, I went to SummerSlam weekend in Brooklyn, and I saw, and I went to TakeOver, and I went to SummerSlam the next night, and then I went to Raw the night after that. And, like, the mood, I, a lot of the same people, a lot of not the same people, surely, but the mood in this very same building, the Barclays Center on Saturday, and the mood in the Barclays Center on Sunday and Monday were tremendously different. Um, I think you had people who were just, you know, they were unconscious going along with the ride at, at NXT TakeOver. Uh, you know, Nakamura won the title, and it's not just about baby faces going over, but it's about, like, is this thing that I'm watching, is it going to excite me? Am I going to trust it? Am I going to go along with it? Or am I going to be, you know, I think when people watch main roster stuff, there there's always this paranoia of, like, I, I love AJ Styles or I love John Cena, but but this thing is, what are they going to do now? Well, what are they doing? They're not going to do that finish, are they? And there's, I don't feel any of that in the audience. I'm not just talking about me personally. I'm talking about, do you feel it in the audience? I don't feel it in the audience when I'm, when I'm at NXT takeover, like I do when I was there the next night at SummerSlam. And I would, I would, uh, I would expect that anybody, if you ever go to a, a pay-per-view weekend, one of the big four pay-per-view weekends where they do the takeover on, on Saturday and do the pay-per-view on Sunday to, to go there and, and pay attention to that. Cause I think it's, it's a, it's an important economic thing, and I think it's a it's a big dichotomy to recognize in the wrestling industry. Number three was lack of creative freedom for workers. What what are who has been hindered by that, or what do you mean by that? I think uh, you're not only dissatisfying the fans, but some of the workers are getting dissatisfied as well, and that makes them uh, some of them want to leave your company. Like uh, who 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 is who is bothered to leave WWE? Enzo was fired. Cass was fired. Yeah, who, who else was fired recently? Uh, well, but who has left the company on their own accord? Cody, in, in the spring of 2016, asked for his release because he felt like he wasn't able to grow as a, as a worker like he wanted to. So he got his release, and look at him. He's been pretty successful on the indies. He, he claims that he's making more money now outside of WWE than he ever was uh, in WWE. Um, and, and is there anyone else? Neville said, screw this. I'm not even doing this anymore. He went home to the UK or whatever he did. Um and I think there's, and like I said at the front of this, I think we just have no idea how good wrestling can be. And I, I really believe look, we're, we are under, as far as talent is concerned, we're, we're in a lost generation of talent in, in that. I, don't, I feel like there's such potential in this talent, and we just don't know how good they can be because, there's, because we live in this creative universe that is so limiting. Uh, so I think, look, they made, I think a lot of the reason why Punk quit, I mean, like, imagine if W was way different. And it was like more like NXT in terms of how good it was, or how it, you know how much it satisfied fans. Would CM Punk have even quit and and like decided to hate pro wrestling and to just go into MMA? Maybe he'd still be around because he wouldn't be so pissed off and disgruntled. 
Um, but yeah, I think there's this lost generation of, of talent where like we have no idea how high the potential is or was for Daniel Bryan, for CM Punk, for Dean Ambrose, for Seth Rollins, for Bray Wyatt, for Kevin Owens, for Rusev, for Braun Strowman. They were all sacrificed here at the altar of Roman Reigns because there's and, – and it's not like there's uh, – even a sanctuary on some other part of the card, like oh yeah, there's the, you know Roman Reigns is occupying this title picture over here, and yeah, the creative's not good over there. But there's this IC title you know section of the card where things are really good and flourishing. There's there's not because there's you know there's one man in charge of creative that sort of poisons it all and makes it all not very satisfying. Again, it's not like the bottom's falling out. This is still a very financially successful and profitable company, and that's why there's no incentive to change. Um, there's no sanctuary on the main roster except for NXT, you know, NXT, which is not the main roster. It's the feeder league. Uh, so you kind of you, you get to know these characters if you follow NXT in NXT, or, and, the, and then or, or two hundred five live would probably be about the only other sanctuary is that you can at this sneak point, on there, and yeah. then no one's going to touch you. But then you are also kind of in your own yeah. cell, <laughs> which creates an, an interesting dynamic because like. NXT and maybe 205 Live is the place that you're supposed to graduate from and get onto yep. the main roster. So you kind of like as a as a fan, you're almost like rooting against. You don't want these people to be called up because history tells you what happens. It's not very good. It's not you're not going to enjoy it. Uh, Storylines with little continuity don't reward loyal viewers. Uh, we talked about this on the other show. You know, this is this is a continual theme on television, which is mystery is good. But incompetence and insulting the intelligence of your viewers, not. And so I, I use Lost as an analogy, which is it's fun at first to kind of have everything mysterious, but eventually you want it to start making sense. And if you get the impression at some point that they're just either making it up as they go along or they're contradicting themselves or at worst, you don't even matter if you're watching or not. It's not going to make any more sense to you. Um, it, it doesn't reward you as a loyal viewer. And so it is hard for me to justify why you should feed five plus hours, six probably randomly, like a week, right? Mm -hmm. Between 205 Live, SmackDown, Raw, and five and a half maybe is, is the total number. Yeah, it, That's a lot to ask for a loyal viewer to, to devour just to stay up with it. And then that's before a pay-per-view happens. Versus you can just watch it on Twitter a little bit here and then tune in for the pay-per-view, watch the package, and then it's probably going to just pay off. Versus I would say New Japan is doing a pretty good job right now of using all of the background of the wrestlers to create a in-depth discussion about what is happening in the match. So that when you're watching Ishii versus Kenny Omega, you're going to get a lot out of that about all the callbacks and all the references that they're making to their own movesets, to their own abilities, and to where they are on the card today. Yeah, And I think there's this fear in, in the W mentality of like, oh, if you do that, you're going to alienate all the casual fans. And I, I, I just don't buy that at all. I think uh, you, you do stuff that doesn't – that may be over the heads of, of unacquainted or casual fans – but it, it, it doesn't alienate them, but it, but it, and it connects with the loyal fans. And, and, you know, there's this narrative about how, well, oh, it's only the hardcores that are left now. And, uh, well, 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 maybe, but I think that they're, they could have even more hardcore fans, even more loyal fans if they made fans feel like they were being rewarded for their loyalty and for their, their knowledge of the product that they're supposed to watch or being sold to watch. So I'm going to take number five and number six together here. Mm. Uh, the booking culture scared of clean finishes and 50-50 booking with little card hierarchy. Um, is this true with WWE today in your mind? 
Uh, I, th- I think so. I think it's is like a, a a wrestling orthodox thing overall. Is that I think everybody who grew up through the eighties and maybe in, even into the nineties are scared to death to do pinfalls and scared to death to, to to do clean finishes, and they insist on doing all these DQ finishes. And I think this is a big thing that that factors into goodwill. I don't. I feel like if if you're selling me a card, you're selling me a bunch of matches, and if you want us to. Uh, to buy this, and and then when you deliver the card, I th- I think what you're what you're selling is a match, and a part of what what a match is when you sell it is it, I, I I'm supposed to believe that it's going to include a finish, and not just like because I, I, I think when fans get a DQ finish or whatever get a non conclusive finish, and I'm not saying there isn't a time to do a DQ finish or to, to do a non conclusive finish, but I think it's rarer than uh, actually gets played out. Uh, I, think. I, I would go with the idea that it, it tie back to the continuity, which is you have a cage match because the people are unable to settle their differences without, and, and there's too much interference happening around them. Mm. And that's why we're doing a cage match. Mm-hmm. And so that we've gotten to a point where we just say, okay, we're going to have a pay-per-view where we do cage matches. And that's not continuity. That's, that's predictability. And that doesn't reward you because you say, ah, I see where this is going. We're getting to a conclusion that makes sense here. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, like you say, 50-50 booking, little card hierarchy. It's tough sometimes to say, think about the hundred plus people that are on WWE's roster and to put them into more than very broad tiers where you say, here's your top people. Here's everyone else. Yeah. I, I- Maybe here's your top people. Here's the people that don't ever get to be on TV and here's everyone else. Yeah, I think a more marketable version of wrestling would in- would include like you should be able to look at like a handful of wrestlers and be like, "Ooh, I can't imagine so and so being so and so." And if so and so does beat so and so, it would be a big deal and we could get a lot of meaning out of that and make people care in the chase to be beating that big opponent. But there's very little Yeah, of like that. like who should win, Kalisto or Cesaro? Cesaro? Yeah, but maybe. Like it's 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 one of those where you're like, ah, I I wouldn't be shocked if it went the other way. It'd be weird, but yeah. it wouldn't be like jaw dropping. It's yeah. not going to be you know Scott Hall versus uh, uh, Sean Waltman. Yeah, maybe maybe somebody will come out and distract Cesaro, and it won't mean anything anyway. So. Yeah. Um, main roster stakes are the highest. Stage production values are the biggest. VKM creatively stifles. What do you what do you? This is your your. I think wrestling can be great. I think we have no idea how good wrestling can be because the greatest platform for wrestling to exist on is main roster WWE, but it's so creatively backwards that we just, you know, we you just don't know how good it can be on this stage. Like if you had the creative vision of it, of just an NXT, just of a Paul Levesque, uh, I don't, we don't know how popular it could be. We don't know how, uh, you know, I don't know, critically great it could be. Uh, what is critical optimism? Critical optimism is like, I think wrestling is terrible as it is, but it could be so great. That's a very blunt way to put it. But like, I, th- I think, I, and again, I believe this on like the global level and on like my local level. I think we've. You think we've been brainwashed into believing that that um, I won't call it mediocrity, but um, plainness is exciting, and that there's nothing left to make it exciting in this world. I think and like, you're saying, I, I do think it can be great and wonderful and rewarding and not insulting and, and derivative. Yeah. I think, like, on, on a local indie level, I think tons of in, U.S. indie wrestling is 
especially the local level, like this, the stuff that doesn't get a lot of buzz on the internet is super derivative of WWE because it's put together by people who have only really ever watched WWE or WF rather than having like a, rather than forgetting everything in, in a way that they know about pro wrestling and just creating a new vision of pro wrestling that actually connects with people emotionally. I think they derive the WWE way of doing things and the WA of doing things. I don't think connects with people on a very deep emotional level. And, uh, well, it, it feels like you're 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 not making a superhero movie. You're making an Im- imitation of a Marvel movie. Yeah. And you know, there's that idea to say, what if superheroes were more than just imitations of Marvel yeah. movies? We're content to Marvel put smiles. Movies are fine, but maybe we can also have other versions and visions. Yeah, I think they're content to put smiles on people's faces rather than build deep and long-lasting emotional connections. I think they're content to put smiles on people's faces who have a relative that is a ticket seller. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to let you tackle number eight. I want to hear you uh, phrase this. I think WWE is afraid to appeal to male. What does it say? I think WWE is afraid to appeal male wrestlers to female fans. So I think WWE's, uh, uh, you know, it's run by, by Vince McMahon. And we hear things about like Kevin Dunn and Vince McMahon have this very, I don't know, macho, uh, vision of pro wrestling and I don't think they have a clue about how to uh, appeal to female fans I don't think they have a clue about that is how to how to market female wrestlers I don't think they have a clue about how to market male wrestlers to female fans um, I think New Japan has done a good job of getting people like Tanahashi and Okada and Nakamura when he was there uh, over with female fans and doing things like they've put out I, there's probably a name for it but they've put out like these WWE or w, these new Japan booklets or magazines where like there's questionnaires, like you get to know, know the, the wrestler and there's like pictures and stuff like that. Like, you know, we, we grew up in the, in this attitude era where they did like all the swimsuit stuff to, to, to uh, get the divas over with, with men. But it's like, it doesn't even occur to them that, that there may be some opposite appeal about having male wrestlers appeal to female fans. Other That's than I'm sure they're glad to accept the, the, whatever data they have to tell them that, you know, Oh, John Cena or Roman Reigns or whoever is, is, uh, you know, are, uh, attractive to, uh, to, to female and female wrestling yeah. fans and children. No, that's fair. Uh, I think that's an interesting point to say is that there's, and it's, it's, it's not necessarily about making them into beefcakes and selling it like a fireman calendar, <laughs> but I think there's something to be said about this idea that you, you can create a personality to these people that's going to connect a lot. And I think even someone like Juice Robinson has done a really good job in New Japan. And they squandered Bailey. Like they, I mean, I think Bailey is an example of, like, it's not surprising that they didn't do much anything with her, but, like, this was a, a character who could have really gotten over with uh, young, uh, I guess, girls, girls who are wrestling fans. But, of like, of course, like, Vince McMahon just didn't have a clue. Yeah. Uh, next one we have is live events and house shows uh, have no consequence. I think this one is really easy in the sense that there, there's never a time when you're going to see Raw break in and give you an update of Monday night SmackDown house show and say, oh, my gosh, can you believe such and such happened tonight? Yeah. House shows you don't know? matter. Why would you go to a house show if you're a halfway informed fan? Other than, you know, oh, I mean, it'll put a smile on our faces or bring the kids out, but there's no... It's cheap. It's cheaper tickets than having to go to a TV taping. But Yeah. I, I think if... if if wrestling was was invented today and you were like, all right, all right, we're getting to the live business, live events business portion of the, of the business plan here. What are we going to do? You would never come up with an idea of like, okay, let's let's have these things called 
house shows or non-televised live events where nothing of consequence happens. And and the challenge here too is that you could argue house shows are a form of marketing that it's cheaper than running a magazine or a radio ad is to run a house show in that marketplace. And there are times in the past where WWE's run money losing shows for years and years when they ran television, they would actually lose money on television. Mm. They made money on the house shows, but it was so expensive to tape television and they weren't getting paid for television or they got paid very little that there was a time in the mid nineties where they weren't actually making that much money on TV, but it made sense to do it. And so there, there are reasons that you'll run house shows or TV shows for other things than besides the live gate itself. Mm -hmm. Um, and to keep your name out there, like I do think if WWE didn't do it, what would you do with all those guys you have under contract all those weeks? Right. You know, maybe they can start a pro wrestling podcast and compete with the other 10,000 of us. But um, there, there's just something to say, though. Maybe there's a good middle ground where house shows just matter in some small way. Yeah. And then you can move on from there. It's, it's not to say that it's an all or nothing proposition. Yeah. I, th I think the house shows existing in their own universe is just a relic of this bygone era where you know, it smiles on the faces, but this bygone era where like, Oh, whatever happens at the live event at the, at the house show, nobody else is going to know about it. There's no social media that exists. There's no way to, to, to share video about what happens on this thing like that. That's not what's happening in 2018. You know, everybody can communicate with everybody instantly, no matter where they are. And I think sure. it's it's just it's always been this way, so it's always been this way. Number ten was a devaluation of titles. What are the wrestlers fighting for? Um, yeah. Talked about to death on many podcasts, yeah. but it's just this feeling that there's not a hierarchy of titles. There's not a prestige in the tires titles. There's not even necessarily an elevation that comes from having the title. And if wins you know, and I losses and titles, a lot of people complain about Brock. And I'm, I'm torn on that one because I always go back to the fact that Vince pays him as much as he does to make him seem like an important champion. But I do agree at a certain point, you are frustrated because you do feel like if this title is so important, why is it just kind of not get defended ever? And I'm talking about matches specifically, which make up a large percentage of their of the time in their television programming, right? It, it's some of its angles and promos and whatever, right? But a little big 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 piece of their their tv programming is is our matches why am i watching them if wins losses and the titles don't seem like they matter all the time and this last one is an interesting one where you just kind of say diversity is a shortcoming or vulnerability for wwe and i agree with this because a like we pointed out who is the highest ranking executive in wwe that is not a, a caucasian george barrios uh, i guess barrios because he's cuban yeah, yeah, that's true. It's George. Yeah. Um, and then past that, there's some members of the board and like that. But you could make a pretty good argument that there probably is a need to think a little bit more outside the box. Yeah, I, and, I, I do believe Vince McMahon is, is a proponent of affirmative action and like giving opportunities to minorities. You can see that manifest in, in every announcing team. You see that manifest in the, in the Hall of Fame lineup. Uh, but it's but it's. I think it's just tokenism. It's not so much like a sincere attempt to 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 have a diverse uh, roster, to have a diverse set of like top stars. I think uh, there's an overemphasis which, on. Which yeah, is ironic to me when you think about the fact that wrestling over-index in African American, mm -hmm. Hispanic households. Yeah, it seems like it's such a no-brainer to be like, what are we doing with our African American talent pipeline? 
when we over-index in this group here. And yet sometimes it seems like they spend the least amount of time developing talent in that area. Yeah. And I don't mean that by the fact that I do think they have developed talent. I do think people like the New Day are have been incredibly um, uh, uh, productive and meaningful on their on their television programming. But I just mean sometimes it, it blows my mind that it's like you don't see this. That is like this is your big opportunity. People want this. People demand this. People absorb this. People consume this. And you're not going out there and thinking more about how can I be doing to get more black athletes to come into the the performance center and and be give them an opportunity here why isn't biggie champ you don't have to break up new day to do it um why why has as somebody did the research the other day why do you have to go back to october 2014 to find a women's title match that didn't involve a blonde white woman and it's i know some people get really upset when you start talking race but i i to me it's just that it's important to appeal to a lot of different people and bring a lot of different viewpoints into the conversation because it's going to make your product be be enriched by the fact that this different talent and these different people are coming in with their own unique backgrounds. And I do believe that there's a big thing to be said around turning on the television and seeing someone that has a similar background to you and how meaningful that is to people and connecting with their favorite stars. But you know what there is? There is there, you know, the people who get opportunities the most tend to have a similar background to Vince McMahon. That is, they have family members who are in the wrestling business. And, and some of that is just because it's a business that is so carny that so many people are going to look at it and say, why would I ever sign up for a lifestyle like this with so few rights for myself? And if they haven't been, I, I don't want to call it brainwashed, but if they haven't been kind of immersed and baptized in this the whole life, it's hard to convince a former NFL player, hey, this is a great uh, opportunity. By the way, you're going to pay your own travel. You're going to pay for your own food. Uh, we can fire you at any time. Yeah. You know, it's it's very different than the contracts and the opportunities other athletes are used to being presented with. And and there's no collective bargaining rights for any of you. Yeah. And we'll spend less than 10% of it. all this new money we're getting. That's not going to you. So and then and then like you also say when we do have diversity sometimes it turns into insensitive angles and and promos jingoism and 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 racially insensitive uh, uh, comments and and you know just kind of the lowest common denominator of things that you can do. Yeah, I guess we saw that last year we had the Jinder Mahal and Shinsuke Nakamura stuff where he's making comments about his eyes and I think Jinder Mahal's character itself it has he he is an Indian guy why couldn't he just be. You know, a, a character who happens to be Indian. It's like, it's gotta or be, ethnicity's gotta be the it's part of his heritage, but it's also to try to pretend that he is an Indian guy when he's a Canadian guy. That too. Yeah. You, you know, it, I, I don't want to say that he, they happen to be it. Cause everyone is reflective of our own heritage. There's no reason that you have to hide that. But I think what they did in the greatest Royal rumble with the Davari brothers was that was, I would say insensitive, inappropriate and, very, very low, low common denominator of you're preying on the prejudices and the stereotypes of of another group. Yeah, it, it's in. It, I think it's ultimately it's insightful of hatred on a, like a, a the widest level. You're teaching people, whether they're adults or children, to to almost hate, if not hate, the the whatever group the heel is representing. Yeah. So that that was our big. 11 point summary here again i'll just hit the the things we start creation one fan goodwill two uh, lack of creative freedom for workers three storylines with little continuity four uh scared of clean finishes five 50 50 booking or hierarchy movement six uh 
the uh, the cradle creative stifleization, critical optimism that was going on for the main roster seven, uh, 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 being afraid to appeal to uh, fan groups. Um, I won't say sex sells, but just other other kind of more nuanced portrayal of characters. Eight uh, meaningfulness of live events, especially house shows. Nine devaluation of the titles. Ten and uh, only token diversity. Effort eleven. Uh, that was kind of our quick. What were some top line WWE vulnerabilities? If you flip over to our premium show, you'll hear how that financially ties to other things. We we do a totally different discussion to try to tie this hypothetical conversation to financial results to even say this is why WWE is actually operating at a, a different um, trajectory than they could be at. And they left money on the table. And that's why sometimes we're so critical of what they're doing, because it's not that they're not that we're lazy. It's that they themselves have shot themselves in the foot so many times in the past. But they made great new TV deals. They made more money this year than last year. Yep, and they're still probably you know compared to a NASCAR deal or or a lot of other you know Premier League soccer in in um, Europe or other places they're still vastly undervalued. Yeah, and, and my argument is that if they did a better job in all these things that w- that we just complained about, they, every segment of business would be up, and TV rights deals would be even better because they would have better demographics and better viewership. We've been listening to Russell Comics Radio. I'm your co-host, Chris Harrington, joined by Mr. Brandon Howard Thurston. Brandon will be back next week unless, of course, he wins his match and makes so much money, signs so many autographs there that he decides to retire on a private jet, fly around the world, preaching the goodwill of Russell Lomics to all those that will come and listen. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to sign up for our, our premium contents, $5 a month, go to WrestleLomics.com. You'll be sent to a Patreon page. You sign up there. You get extra audio. We do a different show, 100% different every single week uh plus you get all our notes to the show and in a show like this where we go through graphs it's so much easier just look at the graph you can look at the raw data we link you to the data set and uh you always get to see other information about what we did some great video we've been doing lately uh as we stay about 500 dollars a month Bernie and i have committed to doing at least one video show a month uh and of course we're gonna be at all in at the end of the month here so if you're going to all in let us know hopefully we can have a wrestlenomics uh roundup a uh, a hoot nanny maybe that's what we'll call it what do you think of that name? I don't even know how to spell that. I'm going to have to do some research. How to spell Hootenanny? Good. Yeah. Good. It's the, uh, maybe it'll be, it'll be the, the WrestleNomics Hootenanny colon blind followership parentheses critical optimism. Sounds good. Hootenanny is an old country word for party. Nowadays, the word most commonly refers to a folk music party with an open mic at which different performers <laughs> are welcome to get up and play in front of an audience. You know what? Maybe we should do the WrestleNomics Hootenanny, where we just we say, here's an episode, people get up, they get to talk whatever they want, and it's not as long as it's not Liam trying to argue with Dave Meltzer, it will work out for us. Who's Liam? Uh, it was a, a Q&A show they did in Vegas a while ago that just went off the rails. Uh, anyhow, uh, good stuff all around. Thanks, everyone. Uh, WrestleNomics at gmail.com or WrestleNomics on Twitter. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.